Last Sunday, I talked about the fact that I was going to talk about faith, hope, and love from the 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. Last week, I spoke about faith. Today, I want to talk about hope, but maybe in a little different direction. Um, I want to declare that faith is always for the present, but hope is something that is always for the future, the tomorrow. We always say, I hope things get better, and we have in mind our future tomorrow and beyond. I must confess that when I view this present situation, I have to tell you that I really... What God has in His sovereignty will to do in a world scale, I really don't know. But I do know what He will do for the individual man, woman, or youth who will seek His face. Let me tell you what God will do if you call on Him. Give me a person. Let a person turn to God in earnest. Let them begin to exercise themselves unto godliness. Seek to discern God's Word and God's will. Seek to obey and trust Him in humility. The result of that act on your part, ladies and gentlemen, young people, will exceed anything you have done or hoped for in weaker days. The minute we come to God, our our lives start changing for the positive because God's all about giving us life. God is a universal presence. It's a fact. God is here. The whole universe is alive with God life. And the good news is he is no foreigner or stranger God. He is the familiar God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whose love for thousands of years has enfolded the sinful race of humanity. What a God of love and mercy and grace and hope. God is always, let me declare, God is always trying to get our attention. God is always trying to reveal himself to us. God desires to communicate with us. And another good news is we have within us the ability to know Him. If we come to God in repentance and in faith and in hope, ladies and gentlemen, God meets us right where we are. I'm a person who I like to say I love the practicals. And when something rocks my world, I will say it like that, I run to the eternal Word of God. I've learned that God's Word always deals with the real world. Even as medical science and quality of life continue to increase our lifespans, it seems as though many of us do not really live perhaps the life that we were given. I know today's a different day and we were experiencing many people fear. I've been reading and I feel that fear has all of its basis in one major fear. Yes, we fear a loss of finance or a loss of obstacles or those type of things. But I think all fear isn't based in the word loss. And we too often, I think, aren't living the life because of fear that God wants us to live. We get caught up in the busy trap, running and running, but not getting much anywhere. It's interesting. I've read about surveying people who know that they don't have very long to live. The regrets are almost never... I wish I had worked more. They're not even, I wish I had made more money. More often, it's about, I wish I had could change the way I've lived and change the relationships that I have. A lady by the name of Bronnie Ware, a palliative nurse, care nurse in Australia, wrote a book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. 
She routinely asked her patients about their regrets, and she recorded them for a long time and made a log. These top five, I just want to share them with you right quickly. Think about them as we go through them. The first one was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. So often we make decisions in our life based on what others think or what others might say, their criticism, their critique. We go get a degree because somebody wanted us to get a degree. We, we took a certain job because we wanted to make more money, which is fine. Uh, we, we don't pursue some of the dreams that we have because someone told us that our dreams might be foolish. But I want to ask you a question. What would happen if you were to live a life true to yourself and true to your Creator? What if, what if you spent, who would you spend your time with? What, what would you do to enjoy things if you weren't afraid of what other people thought? Although there are certain restraints and constraints upon all of us, the closer we can come to living the true life God gave us and in His will, the happier we will be. Because life without God, ladies and gentlemen, never turns out right. Say what you may, without God, life does not turn out right. A second regret these people were recorded saying was this, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This Miss Ware reported she heard this from almost every single one of her male patients. We think we have to work 40, 60, 80 hours a week because it's expected of us. Because we want a promotion or the raise and all that. Ladies and gentlemen, after a lifelong experience, I think it's a good question to ask ourselves before we get there, is it really worth it? If you were truly honest with yourself, what would be more important to you? Working hard to earn all that money or have a different lifestyle that might have included things that are perhaps more eternally valuable? It's important to have a godly perspective about your priorities. A third thing these people wrote was this. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings and emotions. We're told, don't let your emotions rule you. And I believe, for the most part, that has great merit. But emotions are a part of our soulish realm. And I will tell you, they do matter. God gave us to them so that we can experience so many wonderful things. And truly, we should not let the enemy of our life let emotions rule our hearts. But the good news is, we cannot control how others react to us, but we can control how we react. And God has promised His Spirit to pre- present, He'll be present to give us the strength, and He will give us wisdom to control, but to enjoy and express our emotions. The fourth thing was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I will tell you that friendship has to be done on purpose. Personal relationships, it's easy to let them slide, but those personal connections give great and deep meaning to our life. It's not the reports we have to come up with. It's not promotions. It's not the pay raises. It's not television, it's not computers, video games, or all the demands of this world that help us in life. It's the relationships that we establish. It's people we learn to love deeply. And good friendships are when you see the faults in everyone and they see it in you and you still choose to have a good relationship. I want to ask you, who could you reach out to today, especially in this hour? 
Who could you call or write or text and tell them you're thinking about them? I will tell you, even though we may be quarantined as such, if you would call them, how do you think it would make you feel? More importantly, how do you think it would make them feel? I will tell you, staying in close relationships is pretty much a no-lose situation. Lastly, these people reported this. They said, I wish that I had let myself be happier. I want you to think about that for a moment. I think there's great wisdom tied up in that statement. It turns out that happiness doesn't have much to do with the car you've driven, the job you have, sometimes even the people that you share life with. Happiness is actually a state of mind, and it's a choice. A choice. Will you live selfishly or generously? Will you live Christ-centered or self-centered? I will tell you that it's all, happiness is also an attitude. The difference between seeing an unexpected event as a setback or something to fear and danger as we have today or look at it as an opportunity or an adventure. is Think about it. Is it a difference between being frustrated for a delay, which I'm quite apt to be guilty of, or maybe relinquishing the time that you have alone? Or perhaps God has caused a delay to protect you And you don't even know it. You're unaware. It might even be the difference in an attitude between resenting someone or being understanding. All the difference in that, ladies and gentlemen, is attitude. In a complex society, the Christian must not allow the world or anything it brings to determine our living. And the world should not determine our outlook. Our perspective today of hope is because we know whom Paul said we have believed. And we are convinced, we're persuaded beyond any doubt that God is able to keep what we commit to Him. When I started to talk today or or think about what message I might bring, my mind went in so many directions. I think sometime, yes, I want to be comforting. Yes, I want to be assuring. And I hope that we'll have hope today. But I also sometimes step back and think, maybe we should really be challenged about what God is saying to us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, God is speaking. And I spoke on our evening broadcast last Wednesday about let us be sure we are listening to the voice of God. But I want to take that further than just our congregation or the Christian. I think the world should be listening to what God is saying. God never, never... Never waste an opportunity in all this sin-cursed planet to speak to us, and he does have something to say. I think one of the greatest questions on everyone's mind is, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I want to just talk to us. I, I've given a th- I'm going to give us a little three-point outline. I don't have time to speak about all this. I just want to give us three quick points that I think will help us in this time. Some help. The number one word I want to use is remember who. Remember who. First of all, I want to ask us today to remember who. Whether you're Christ's legacy, Facebook, whether you're across this planet, whether you're a minister, whether you're a missionary, whether you're a a person that just, that works in a job, no matter where you are, I want to ask you to remember who it is that is in control. Jeremiah wrote in the 10th chapter, 23rd verse, he said these words, O Lord, 
I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Ladies and gentlemen, try as we might, do the very best we can. There's a scripture that tells us we are so vulnerable. The scripture teaches us that in God we live and move and even have our being. We breathe his air. It is our God who causes our heart to beat. He is the one that is responsible for giving us life. But I just want to tell you that Jeremiah was obviously aware of the futility of man's struggle to direct himself. We make all of our plans. We make all of our efforts. And rightly we should. In this current situation, we as human beings are to do all that we can do. But ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you the greatest privilege of life is to get right in the middle of God's will and remember who it is that is really in control. Secondly, I want us to remember who has cared for us in the past. I want to read you a psalm that I think capsulizes it pretty well. It's Psalm 106. I'm going to be reading through verse 6 through 13. It says this, We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, Jeremiah is saying as he rehearsed Israel's history, they rebelled. They didn't listen to God. They didn't remember who was in control. And even in their rebellion, listen to what Jeremiah said. He said, nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake that he might make his mighty power known. I think I can tell you that some of what we need to remember today is this. Not only is God in control, we must remember he's the one who has always cared for us in our past. Even though we as America and a nation have been disobedient, I thank God that he has cared for us in our past. Here Israel is, he saved them just because he loved them. He goes on to say, he rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. Here it was, even in their disobedience, God made a way to protect them and to sustain their life. God is trying to say he cares for us. He led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and re- redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. Watch what God did for them. God was caring for this people, this nation. He, the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. Isn't it pathetically amazing how we disobey God? We do not want his restraint. We don't want any restrictions. We want to live our lives the way we want to live. We want to talk like we want to talk. We want to go where we want to go. And there's great freedom in God. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, we are still subject to the Creator. And He has a right to regulate a society. When we disobey, God will still love us. Here they are, protected from their enemies. Then they believed his words, and they sang his praises. But notice the last verse, verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. 
And Jeremiah goes on and talks about the struggle. I will tell you today. Yes, we can live the way we want. And yes, we can get out of the will of God. And we can live in rebellion and disobedience. And in the midst of it, God still will show us His mercy. Israel didn't recall the miracles of God. And when they got to that place, they began to trust in themselves. I want to thank God for loving us even when we're disobedient to God. I want to say... How grateful I am individually to God that when I made mistakes, even when I knowingly disobeyed the Lord, in His mercy, in His grace, and He loved, in His love, He still stood by me. He cared for me, and He wooed me, and He drew me again to repentance and relationship with Him. And I want to say thank God today for all of the abilities He has given humanity. I want to thank God for the abilities and the gifts that He's given to our fellow man, for all the talents and the blessings. I thank God today for our scientists. I thank God today for our medical people. I thank God today for technology. I thank the Lord today for our leaders. I thank God for all those who are helping us in this situation. And I thank God for all that. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, we need to remember all those abilities, all those gifts, every one of those people that are working today desperately across this globe to help us, they are all gifts from a God who created them. He, He gifted them and they honed their talents. They went to the Education, they learned all to help us. But ladies and gentlemen, they all came from the Lord. And all the giftings that we all have come from our God. I want to say again, it is important that we remember who has cared for us in the past and who cares for us today. The third thing I want to mention is this, Genesis 7. This story I trust is familiar to most people. But let's take something I think powerful from it. God said to Noah, come into the ark. God had previously told him to build the ark. He was ridiculed. He was belittled. He was mocked. And he was criticized. And yet, Noah, by faith, in God, built the ark. And then when the ark was completed, here it is, verse 7, God said, Noah, come into the ark. In that statement, in that statement, I want us to remember, my last point is this, remember who has planned your future, your future and mine. God said to him, get in the ark. It meant that there was a future. It meant that God had caused all this to happen so that he could protect Noah and his family. Verse 16 tells us that when he got in the ark, that God shut him in the ark. And if you'll study and realize that actually from the day that God closed Noah and his family in the ark, for one year and 17 days, there was not another word to Noah from God. Sometimes we think because God doesn't constantly talk to us, or sometimes because we don't constantly see miraculous, phenomenal things, Sometimes we think that God has forgotten us. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, when things are uncertain in our lives like they are today, I think it's important to remember who has our future. The next chapter tells us something important. 
For in chapter 8 of Genesis, verse 1, it said, Then God remembered Noah. That word remember is kokar in the Hebrew, and it means that God was mindful. Then God was mindful of Noah. I want to tell you, it does not mean that he was forgotten. God had his heart, he had his thoughts, and he had his plans on Noah. And I want to tell you something today. God has his thoughts and his heart and plans on you and me today. Verse 15 says, God spoke again. And listen to what he said. Go forth. It simply means when this is over and when we get things understood, God wants us to go forth. I love this thing. I want you to notice that this was the first thing Noah did was when he left the ark and he went forth as God obeyed him. He actually built an altar. I think we should build an altar every day. But I will tell you this. When we get through with this virus and when God gives us the victory, let us remember who we came from. Let us remember who cared for us in the past. And let us remember who has our future and our destiny in mind. It was God. And let us be humble. Let us Keep an altar and say, God, I know that in you I live and move and have my being. God had placed Noah, notice this, he placed Noah right in the middle of a promise. Get into that ark. God opened it and he said, go forth. And let me just tell you today in 2000, 2020, I will tell you this. A lot of people are concerned. Is the Lord coming? Is it the end? I cannot distinguish, I don't believe any man knows the day or the hour. I do believe we may be in the season of the return of Christ. My concern isn't so much about are we in the end of the age, but my concern and I believe our concern should be what is our relationship to the one who created us, to the one who's cared for us to this point, to the one who actually has the power of our future. I will tell you, he was. He, God spoke this Promise to Noah right in the middle of a promise. And I will declare to you today, in this very year, in this very situation, God has spoken that to us. So I'll simply say it like this. The first coming of our Christ is incomplete without the second coming of our Christ. And I, for one, will be glad when God says, it's enough, and the King of glory will leave the tapestry of heaven and the beauty of all the angels and all the loved ones we know there for a second time, and He will call on the angel to sound the trump, and He will, at the sound of that trump, ladies and gentlemen, the dead of Christ shall rise first, and we will be called to go out and meet Him. Our bodies will be changed. Paul saw it. He said, that which corrupt the bodies of our loved ones that were in Christ... That corruption shall take on incorruption. Paul says, we which are mortal, suddenly our bodies will take on immortality. And then we're going to be caught away with heaven. And then let me tell you, then you can worry about the end of the age. Then you can worry about the man of sin, the Antichrist, and the tribulation period. That's the time to be concerned. Because then, ladies and gentlemen, to come to the Lord will be a difficult thing. That's why the scripture says, today's the day, and now is the day of salvation. Today is the time. Our present situation, listen, Paul understood it. He wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, of power, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
I want to just tell you something. I believe it is madness to be without the Lord today and know Him as your personal Savior. In Matthew chapter 5, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus began His ministry. And ladies and gentlemen, the light that was to come had dawned. He had been through the test. And He began His ministry. Our Christ in verse of chapter 5, verse 14 says to us, You are the light of the world. And He goes on to say, You cannot be hidden. And the Lord speaks to us today in verse 16, Let your light shine before men. I just want to declare this. Light dispels darkness. And church of God, people of God, saved people, redeemed people, light dispels darkness. Let's experience that light in our own lives. And then we become light, let us believe it. That's the reason we have hope. We are right in the middle of a promise. So I want to say, be about dispelling the darkness. Now's the time to make sure a questioning world and a rebellious or disobedient society needs to hear the love and the mercy of God. So my points are this. Remember who it is that created us and is in control. Remember who it is that has taken care of you in the past. And remember who it is who has our future. So I want to say this in closing. Look up and lift up and live up. Because ladies and gentlemen, soon our Lord is going to take us up. And that's what I'm looking forward to.